Welcome to Grace Church's podcast. Thank you for joining us. The following episode was recorded live during our Sunday service. Sermon notes can be found online at grace417.com. Thank you for being here. How many of you guys have had a week? I had a week. Anybody have a week? Like, you know, okay, thank you, Glenna. Two of us had a week. The rest of you guys, glad your week was great. <laughs> well, thank you for being here. Uh, it's, always, it's always an honor to, to get to share. <clears throat> I want to tell a story uh, from when I was in high school. Um, I do not encourage behavior like in this story, but it goes well with what we're talking about. So. Um, it was my senior year of high school, it was 2007, uh, the youth get to laugh at how old I am and the 40-somethings have to keep the sobbing down. Um, so at the end of the school year, every year, you had to bring your textbooks back to your classes, teacher calls off your name, you go up front, you give the textbook to them, they verify the number in the book is the one they gave you at the beginning, and you're off the hook for the fine if you don't have it. If you don't have it, you have to pay the fine. So I had an advanced acting class my senior year, and it was big on acting. It wasn't big on textbooks. Um, I had gotten a textbook, but I had not used it in months. Six, eight months, no idea. Um, I assumed it was in my locker, rotting. Uh, My locker was equally unused. Um, So I went to my locker the last week of school of my senior year, and my acting book is not in it. And I haven't seen it, like I said, six months plus, I have no idea. I'm going around, I'm looking everywhere, checking the house, my car, my backpack. I'm asking my friends if they've seen it, no idea. Um, I asked my teacher if anybody's turned it in, she has no idea. Um, I asked her on the last day, I'm like truly desperate. I asked her if I can go into the textbook closet and see if somebody found it and just stuck it in there or something. So my textbook was number seven, going through all the books in the closet, there's no number seven. There is, however, a number one. It's just a single vertical line. And so I grab a Sharpie and I put a single horizontal line and I found my book. And my teacher calls my name. She knows I've been frantically looking for my book for days. When I show up with a book, she's very surprised. She's already uh, a little suspicious. Yes, and so I hand her the book. She looks at it. She looks at me. She looks at it again. She calls my bluff, she yells at me, she takes the book, tells me to go sit down. So the fine is $25. Uh, I was working part-time, 5.15 an hour was a minimum at the time. So $25 is a lot to me, you know, for a part-time shift, that's like my whole shift, that's my whole night. Uh, So I'm brooding in my seat. She finishes calling the rest of class. She goes to her office and asks to see me. She's yelling at me in her office, I deserve it, I lied, yada, yada. But it's one of those deals, you can only listen for so long, she's going on and on yelling at me. So I'm looking at the bookshelves in her office, she's got lots of books, and there's one advanced acting book on her shelf. And I pull this book amid her rant, and it's number seven, and I hand it to her. And I'm just like, here you go. And she continued to yell at me anyway because I had lied to her. It wasn't a good choice. Uh, But my goal was achieved. I did not have to pay the fine. Uh, There was a lot more stress and a lot more yelling than I would have liked, but the goal was achieved. So uh, sometimes uh, we have ideas of how things should play out in life. We've got an idea of what we want to happen, of what success is going to look like, Um, and sometimes it doesn't work that way. Uh, Technically, my goal was achieved, but it certainly didn't play out the way that I had hoped uh, in this story. And and sometimes 
Those things are very minor. Sometimes they're blips on the radar, and we continue on with our day, and we're, we're relatively unaffected. And sometimes it's a, a complete change to our life. It, it, it changes the trajectory of our life and those around us uh, when things don't go the way that we expect. When, when Jesus got to the New Testament, the religious leaders, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they had a lot of preconceived ideas of what the Messiah would look like. This is a person they'd been waiting for for generations. They had hundreds of years of writing about what this person would look like and what they would sound like and, and how they would behave. And they had built a, uh, a persona in their minds of what this person would look like. Um, and when Jesus showed up, he did not fit that bill. And they assumed he was not the Messiah because of this. Um, when, when Jesus hit the scenes, uh, the religious leaders, they didn't like the people Jesus hung out with. Uh, he hung out with um, prostitutes and tax collectors and drunkards and, you know, people generally considered sinners and, and outcasts, uh, people that the Pharisees and Sadducees would never um, hang out with or associate with. Uh, they didn't like the parties that he went to, the weddings that he attended, the dinners that he held. Um, they certainly didn't like the way he talked to them and the way he portrayed them in his parables and stories. Um, he very quickly made enemies of the powers that be uh, in the Jewish world. And a good example of this is in John chapter 8. Um, it's the story of the woman caught in the act of adultery. So um, the Pharisees and the Sadducees bring a woman. The, the story says caught in the very act. So maybe quite literally caught in bed with a person that was not her husband. Uh, they bring her and they put her in front of Jesus and they say the law says that she should be stoned. What do you say? They brought stones with them. And Jesus says, let whoever among you is without sin throw the first stone. And one by one, they leave. And, and they can't deny the logic of it. Obviously, they're there condemning a person for sin when they themselves have sin. But at the same time, they believe the Messiah should uphold the law. And Jesus chose not to do that in this situation. And, and why is a bit of a question. We don't necessarily know. Maybe he was making a point about the importance of mercy alongside the importance of justice. But they didn't like his style. They didn't like the way that he conducted himself. They didn't like the way that he did things. If you, uh, if you weren't here last week, um, Gary Flockstra did a great job uh, presenting a, a message to us last week. If you missed it, I uh, highly recommend listening to it at grace417.com. Um, we've got all the sermons up there. We've had some great guest speakers over the last few months. I highly recommend um, checking out any that you might have missed. But he told a story that I really, really liked, um, and I'll, I'll shorten it quite a bit. But he was working at a library, and he wanted to grow that library to 100,000 books. It was a huge goal um, for a relatively small library whenever he got there. And it was something that he really wanted to do. He felt very passionate about. And it came time for him to leave that library, and he had not met that goal. Now, the library had grown substantially, um, and he had done a great job there. But when it was time for him to leave, he had not reached that goal of 100,000. And years later, he and his wife in their ministry, he was reminded of this goal of 100,000 books. And he realized in two years' time, he and his wife had shipped 200,000 books around the world. And, and he realized this goal that he had set for himself a long time ago that he did not feel like he was able to meet had been doubled by God in, in his time and, and in, in his you know, somewhat mysterious ways. And I, I love that story. I think it's so relatable. Um, I, I'm a goal setter. I'm a, I'm a goal-oriented person. Uh, there's a movie I really like where the, the protagonist is talking to a, a secondary character and he points out the girl that he's fallen in love with that he wants to try to woo. And the secondary character says, you've aimed too high. And the primary character says, if there's another way, I don't know it. And I love that. I, I'm a goal setter. I'm aim for the clouds kind of person. And, and I love setting goals for myself like that. But 
the fact of the matter is that sometimes things just don't work out the way that we thought. Or they, they don't feel like they work out the way that we thought they should. We apply for a job, and we don't get it. We, we invest ourselves in a relationship, and it begins to deteriorate and fall apart. And, and we have these things that, that we, we want, and that we see, these dreams and hopes and goals, and they don't seem to work out. We don't seem to be able to achieve them. And I think sometimes as humans, we get very caught up in the short term, and we lose sight of, of some of the long-term goals that we have in our lives. You know, a job, for instance, your, your goal probably isn't to have a specific job. Hopefully, it's to have a job that makes you happy, that, that you can live comfortably on, that it's a good job. Hopefully, your goal isn't to be with a specific person. Hopefully, it's to be with a person that makes you better and makes you happy. You know, sometimes we're so ready with the balloons and the streamers for the pity party that we forget the goal's still there. Just because we didn't meet this one step of it doesn't necessarily mean that the goal is lost. And... I think that's a, a fault that we have, um, that, that we can get caught up in that short term. Uh, when I was 10 years old, I went to kids camp, and I was convinced that I was called to be a missionary to a Spanish-speaking country. And I enrolled in Spanish classes, and I started down a path that would take me there. And in high school, I, I had a, a moment of prayer where I believed that I was called to be a pastor in the United States. And my, my trajectory changed. And when I was 23, I graduated Central Bible College with a four-year degree. And here I am seven years later. I'm a production supervisor at John Deere. And did I, did I fail my goals? Are they not met? Not necessarily. I wasn't necessarily trying to be a missionary or a pastor. My goal was to help connect people to God. And I, I still get to do that. Now, I'm, I'm not doing that full time. And I don't really know why. And that's... That's difficult. That can be frustrating. Um, it can be very hard to, to not understand why things didn't work out exactly the way that, they, that you felt they were supposed to, but just because I don't necessarily understand the path that I'm on doesn't mean I'm on a failing route. And I think sometimes it's, it's so easy to get caught up in, in the short term. The, the Pharisees and the Sadducees did not like lots of the, the teachers and preachers of the New Testament that, that we hold very dear. Uh, people like John the Baptist, Jesus, Paul, they wrote these people off. Uh, John the Baptist was a, a mad lad, out in the wilderness, camel hair, locusts and wild honey, screaming at people as they walked through. He was a crazy person. Um, Jesus went into the temple one day and started flipping tables and whipping people, screaming about a den of robbers. Paul wanted to get rid of dietary laws. He wanted to get rid of circumcision. He was accused of bringing Gentiles into the temple courts. These were crazy people in the minds of the religious leaders at the time. But it's only because they didn't fit the mold that they had created for these people. They believed that they were false teachers. And the reason I think that is is because they got so caught up in the short term that they started to miss the point of what they were doing. The Pharisees and Sadducees were very good at rules. What they did was they took rules and they boiled them down to the most finite level and then they began to list out all the rules of all the things that you could and could not do. And, and it became all about those rules. But the origin of those rules that they were dissecting was the Ten Commandments. The Israel is coming out of Egypt. They're founding their own nation in a lot of ways, a very large people group, and they needed a, a set of guidelines to show them how to live their lives, of how to live good lives that would honor God and help them grow closer to him. And this group of people started to take these rules and, and 
hair split down to such a minute level that they started utilizing them to ridicule and to judge and to be condescending to the people around them. They started to use it to elevate themselves. They took something that was supposed to help us grow closer to God and they used it as a divisive tool to lord themselves over everyone else. They, as soon as it became all about the rules, they began to miss the point. The rules were supposed to show us how to live our lives and honor God, and they started using the rules to honor themselves. Adherence to the rules became all that mattered to them. And Jesus pulls no punches when he starts to hit the scene and tell the religious leaders that he doesn't like the religious game that they've rigged for them to win every time. He tells the crowd that, that these people want to tie up heavy burdens and lay them on their shoulders, but they're not willing to lift one finger to help you move it. And obviously the religious leaders didn't like the manner in which that, that Jesus talked to them, but we do the same thing. We, we can so easily make the same mistake of those short-term goals. You're at your job and you're plugging away and you're trying to, to build a certain life for yourself or your family and the people around you. And the goal is to live happy and comfortably. But in order to do that, you have to make more money. And you start to focus on this short-term goal of making more money and you start to leverage your happiness in order to grow the bottom line of your check. You're throwing away the goal in order to meet the short term. It's easy to make mistakes like that as humans. I love the way that Jesus acts in the New Testament. I love the way that he behaves with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And I love the horror that the Pharisees and Sadducees have when, when they see him and hear him. So visceral of a reaction that they want him dead. They want him gone. They don't want to have to deal with him anymore. Jesus did things in ways in the New Testament that they believed were completely wrong, that should not have worked, but they did. People were healed. Demons were cast out. The crowd said, this man speaks in a way that we have never heard before. And the Pharisees and Sadducees hated that. They hated that something, some formula that they had never considered possible was what was working. The people were following it. They were falling away from the, the hypnotic control of the religious leaders, and they were starting to follow these crazy people that the Pharisees thought nothing of. I love this because it reminds me not to be too attached to my own goals. Like I said, I'm a goal setter. I'm a stretch goal person. If you tell me I want to know how many you could build in an hour, I'm going to see how many I can build in 10 minutes and multiply it by six and add five because I want to stretch it. I want to see how far I can go. And it's very easy for someone like me, because I'm very goal-oriented, to get too caught up in those goals and in the short term around it. In my, uh, amongst my gaming friends, we have a joke that we say, it's uh, when we mess around, we don't mess around. Because we might just be playing video games online, but we take our KDA seriously. And we're, we're those kinds of people. And for people like that, it's very easy to stay very attached to our goals. And the, the example that we see with the Pharisees and the Sadducees is, you can die on the hill with your short-term goals and miss the long-term plan that God has for your life. You can get so caught up in the short-term and in what you have immediately in front of you that you can lose sight of, of the purpose and the intent of the entire thing. <clears throat> and I don't think it's wrong to have goals. I don't think it's wrong to, to want to achieve them and to go after them, but there should be some flexibility. We have to understand that when we set these goals, we have no idea oftentimes what God has in mind for us. And when things change, we have to be ready to change with them. When, when Gary set that goal of, of 100,000 titles in this library, 
I'm sure it was a very good goal. I'm sure it was something that he really wanted to achieve. It would have meant a lot to this library. And when it didn't happen, it was very frustrating to him. And it can be very frustrating in our lives when we're not able to meet goals. But what he got to see years later was the fruition of that, of, of God using that goal in an amazing way to go far beyond what Gary had dared to dream about at that library. Rather than one library somewhere in the world having 100,000 books, hundreds of libraries all over the world have hundreds of thousands of books. And when goals don't work out, it's very easy to get frustrated and to get angry and to, to bruise your ego. It's very hard to step back and say, God, this didn't work. Can you help me understand why? Can you help me figure out how I'm supposed to recalibrate to adjust for this? And sometimes in that reflection, you'll realize that the goal you set may not have been as godly as you wanted it to be. May have had more to do with your own hubris than it did with God. Uh, maybe you, you, like Gary, get to realize years later, God had something much bigger planned. I just wasn't ready for it. And I had to be patient and wait to see that come to fruition. Maybe you hear nothing. I'm still waiting for a job that I can put my four-year degree at the bottom of and have it matter. It's very frustrating. And when I pray and ask God why I'm doing what I'm doing, I don't hear anything. And for a lot of my life, that has meant just stay the course. Be patient. You're on the right track. And I believe him, but it's hard. It's really hard. And if you find out, please let me know. Because <laughs> I would love to know why. But the goal, the short-term goals that I've set for myself, I don't want to cling too fast to. And I believe, I, I don't know what goals you've set for your life. And I don't know what God has for, for the entirety of your life. I would imagine if every one of us were to write it down and find out what God had in mind for us, probably none of them would match. If you had asked me at any point in my life what I'd be doing for the rest of it, I would have given you a, a long explanation of my dreams and goals, and I don't think any one of them would be any closer to what God actually has planned for me. It's impossible for us as humans to know that. So what I would, what I would encourage you to do is to allow space for God in your goal setting. And that doesn't mean set small goals, because we serve a big God, and, and we can have big dreams and big goals but what it does mean is if you don't meet those goals, don't panic. Life is constantly changing, and our goals will have to constantly change with it. If we death grip a specific goal, inevitably life is going to make changes to what's happening around us, and we're going to be left behind with that short-term goal, missing what God has for us moving forward. What I do believe is that, that God has big plans for all of us. And I believe if we live a life that allows us to grow closer to him, to hear his voice and, and to follow him, that wherever we end up following his voice will be better than anywhere that we dared to dream in the meantime. And I think the Pharisees and the Sadducees in these stories show us in a very real way what can happen when we get too tied down to our goals and to our own ideas of what success should look like. We have to be ready to, to see things that are outside of the box that we may not have considered as possibilities. The, the mistake that I think that they make is, is dying with their short-term goals and missing the whole point of what they were doing. When Jesus gets there, he's very pointed in what he says about how they've set up the rules and regulations. In one of the stories in the New Testament, um, Jesus is accused regularly of working on the Sabbath. 
Um, in, in Matthew 12, he and his disciples are, are walking along a, a grain field, and the disciples begin to, to pluck granules of grain off of the, the stalks and to eat them because they're hungry. It's considered work, and it's against the rules. Um, when they get to where they're going, Jesus heals a man with a shriveled hand, which again is considered work. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees say, there are six days of the week for work. Why do you choose to work on the day of rest? And Jesus defends it by saying, if one of your livestock falls into a pit or a well, will you rescue it? And it's a rhetorical question because it's a precedented occurrence. Yes, is the answer. When an emergency happens, you are given a little bit of leeway to rescue your livestock. Obviously, that livestock represents a lot of, of money for those individuals. So they're willing to rescue livestock, but not perform miracles on humans. You know, it, it's so backwards and it's so hypocritical. I set big goals, and, and I encourage you to set big goals. <clears throat> Look to the horizon and, and find the goals that you want and go after them wholeheartedly. But don't panic if you find you can't reach them. Don't, don't break down. Don't throw the pity party. Recalibrate. Look to how life has changed and figure out what your new trajectory is. God will never leave you high and dry when you follow after him and listen to his voice. Now, he may leave you confused at times. That's a, that's a frustrating reality. But, like I said before, if, if we find ways of making sure our short-term goals match up with what God has for us and being willing to adjust those goals along the way so that we can continue to follow after him, even when our own ego really wants to, to meet the goals that we've set for ourselves, if we're able to follow after him and, and come to the realization of what he has for our lives, I believe that all of us will end up in places that are far greater and far more exciting than any goals that we set for ourselves along the way. So go after those goals, set those goals, but listen for God's voice. And if you don't reach them, don't panic. He's got good things for you. And if you're patient and follow after him, you'll find them. Let's pray. Lord, I come to you in prayer right now, and I thank you for the people in this room, God. I thank you for the lives represented, the families, and the, the circles of connection. Um, I just pray for every individual here, anyone that might be listening online, I just pray that you would touch their lives. I pray that you would, that you would connect with them, God, that, that, their, that your voice would become so apparent and so clear to them. God, I pray for big goals and big dreams. I pray for people who are willing to swing for the fences every day. But I, I pray that you give us the resolve that should something not work out, that we don't crumble under the pressure of it, that we don't become so connected to our goals that we miss out on what you have for us. I believe that every person in here has a unique and amazing plan for their life that you've set for them. And I believe that if they follow after you and they live a life that allows them to continue to hear your voice, that it'll, it'll take them to an amazing place. It'll bring them to things that, that they're not willing to dream about now. And I just pray that we all have the patience and the perseverance to, to see that someday. I pray that you touch these people as they go throughout their weeks, as they go to their jobs and their schools, as they, they carry out the daily tasks that they have to. God, I just pray that, that your voice is so clear to them and so apparent to them. I pray that you give them confidence and courage. I pray that you prepare them for the week to come, that we can be lights and salt to the world around us, and that every day we get a little bit closer to you and we get to see a little bit more of what you have for us, of what one day we'll look back and say, it all makes sense now. I can see it from his perspective, and he was right all along. 
I pray that you bless them and keep them and make your face to shine upon them and give them peace every day. In Jesus' name, amen. We trust that this teaching made a difference in your life. If you would like more information on giving your life to Jesus, visit us on the web at grace417.com. Thank you for joining us and we pray you have a blessed day.